a very small psalm. The psalm we're looking at today, Psalm 93, only has five verses. And I was struck by just the comparison to like a psalm like, you know, Psalm 96, just a couple psalms later, or Psalm 119, where you have vast amounts of verses and a lot of good truths in there, but something really special about these small psalms is they pack, they pack a lot of punch in a little bit of time. And it's sincerely true, every single verse. And it's, it's very, it's easy to get caught up in kind of the poetic nature of psalms, and they are beautiful psalms. But also, I think it's important just to look at these simple, small psalms and really understand the truths that are very clearly communicated in such a small amount of time. Let me read Psalm 93 for you here. I'm reading out of the ESV tonight. The Lord reigns, he is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed, he has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established, it shall never be moved. Your throne is established from old, you are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods have lifted up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Let's pray. Father, as we look at this psalm, we are reminded of how great you are and how mighty you are. And this message can fit so many situations in our lives for those who are strong, those who feel confident, we can be reminded, we can be encouraged. Those who are weak can be encouraged as well by the fact that our God is still the same. Our God is still mighty. And that he is able, he is capable to deliver us. He's able and capable to answer our prayers. And he has not changed. I pray that as we look at the psalm tonight, we would think of one another, we would think of the sins in our lives, and think of how we ought to be changing based on what we hear and see from your word. I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Tonight we're looking at a very simple phrase, the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. That phrase has to echo through our mind tonight. And that is a comforting fact. And yet is a distressing fact for those who are in opposition to the Lord, right? When I understand the Lord reigns, I understand it's looking to a future kingdom, to the millennial kingdom. I also understand it's looking forward to a heavenly, eternal state. One that I've been promised, one you've been promised as a person who has been saved by Jesus Christ's death on the cross. And the first couple of verses here give us a really great picture of the Lord establishing his reign. And the, the verbiage here is as if it's already happened. It is promised, it is prophecy, it's going to happen. Just as every single promise that God has ever made in scripture will come true and has come true. So we're looking forward to this establishment of this kingdom. The first two verses, again, the Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty, and that is current as well. The Lord is, ro is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established, and it shall never be moved. He starts off with a very obvious statement, just a broad sweeping statement. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. So this statement here is not just for someone who wants to know a little bit about God. 
This statement is for someone who wants to be in love with God, who wants to close their eyes and picture their Lord, their Savior, Jesus Christ, next to God, his Father, who has sent him to, to save them from their sins. This is the, the picture. Robed in majesty, it's splendor, it is glory, it is high regard given to him because he is worthy. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. He is girded up. He is prepared by his strength. The strength of who God is upholds the power of his reign. And because he is all powerful and he is all loving and he is all knowing and he is all he is justice, he is just all the time. He is all these things and he's fulfilling all of his promises just as he said he would fulfill them. And it says again, yes, the world is established, confidently established. It is concrete. It is settled. It shall never be moved. There is nothing that can thwart the plans of God. As a believer today, we can be confident in the plans of our God. And we can know that his throne is established from old that it is not something that's just recently come to be. It's something that God has foreordained from the beginning of time and before then. To know that God has a plan for every single individual to be used to walk in good works, to be called, to be glorified eventually, and for us to be like him for eternity. It says here in verse 2 that you are from everlasting. And that statement, that phrase, is something we can't just gloss over. Because as human beings, we measure life in time. We think, well, I'm 20 minutes away from church. I'm half hour away from work. Or there's only eight hours left in the day. And we got to think, what's the next thing we got to do? Especially people that are busy, and everybody in this room is busy in different ways. We have different tasks that take a different amount of time. And we think through, well, there's only so much I can get done. God has never asked himself, how am I going to get this done? God has never asked himself, when is this homework assignment going to get done? He's never made a mistake when it comes to time management because God is outside of time. He is everlasting. He's perfect. And we can't wrap our minds around that. We can't understand just how amazing it is that God existed eternally before time even began. We can't understand it. And yet we are to hear it. We are to understand that this is our God. And it should encourage us. It should encourage us that my salvation and your salvation and our sanctification as a group of believers is not dependent on someone who can't manage to do everything in a week or to get everything done in this year. Even think of your, uh, your goals you set out in January. December, December 31st and January 1st, you set out these goals. You said, I'm going to do these things, these resolutions, and they didn't happen, most of them. God has never had one of those. And yet, we do. And the point here is that God is being compared to the reader. As we understand life through this, uh, through this passage, we can see that we're not this. That God, God is these things. The reign of God has been established as, as, it has, as if it has already happened. It is current and future. It is everlasting. We also see the Lord's might on display. Look at verses 3 and 4 with me again. 
Really powerful verses. And the psalmist here just overflows with the might of God. And the only way he can even begin to understand this is to go to a big picture of what nature looks like. Verse 3 and 4, the floods have lifted up, O Lord, the floods have lifted up their voice. That's the personification of the floods, of the waters. Think of a storm in the middle of the ocean. Think of a hurricane. Think of the floods rising around Noah's ark. Think of the floods that God has made and God has formed to show us how mighty he is. He continues at the end of verse 3, the floods lift up their roaring. The roaring is powerful. The roaring is fearful. If you've ever been to the zoo, you can walk by the lion's cage. You can walk by any one of the, the wild animals. You can hear the roar of the lion. You can feel the pressure that, that lion's prey would feel. The intensity that that is. That roar is coming from these waters. And yet we're not talking about God yet. We're still talking about the water. Mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your God is mighty. What's the children's song? My God is so, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. And as you look at this passage, compare God's eternality, God's might to your own weakness, your own frailty, your mortality, and your inabilities. And think through the fact all, of all those times when you haven't been able to get something accomplished, or maybe something you really thought was important, like a relationship in your family that just can't seem to come together, that loved one who you care so much about, but they can't seem to find time for God. Think about your own inabilities, and think about how God is able to do mighty things. Just look at the Old Testament, flip through Genesis and Exodus, and just keep going through Leviticus and all the, all the books, and think of Joshua, think of the mighty works of crossing the Red Sea and crossing the Jordan, and, and all the, the prophets who did great things for God, and God did all these mighty things, and he's still that same God for you and for me, and he is mighty. The beauty of this psalm is that it's very simple, it's very clear, it's very direct. It wants us to look at the world and see the, the might of the seas, the might of the thunder, and, and look at God as being even more powerful. Your God is in control over the waves and the sea and thunder. He made the waves. The world has many pictures of the sea and they often personify it as well i think of the greek god poseidon on mount olympus and if you've read the book uh, the odyssey odysseus is the main character and his task for that book is to return to ithaca to re retain his kingdom to maintain the the status of his kingdom but there is a problem in the way of Odysseus is Poseidon, the god, of, the god of the sea, and he shipwrecks him. And many things happen to him along the way, and ultimately he prevails. But the god of, the god of the sea, Poseidon, stops him, and he shipwrecks him. That is not who our god is. Our god is not just this local god who controls 
this certain kind of landmass or this certain little body of water. Our God is the one who made them. And those other gods are gods with a small lowercase g. Those false gods, those idols that don't stand the test of time, that don't have an empty tomb. Our God is eternal. Our God is everlasting. Our God is mightier than the waves of the sea. Our God is mighty on high. On high, that's a position of esteem, of of greatness, of of honor, of respect. And he is the only only individual, only one worthy of that respect. And as we look to our God, we can feel weak. And we can feel like, God, you don't need me to do all these things. And that's right. God doesn't need to use us. But we praise God that he does choose to use us. And he chooses to walk with us and to help us grow and to become more, in, more like the image of his son. And that brings us to a few, honestly, miscellaneous um, decrees here. And I feel like the psalmist is, is coming at, the, at this, this verse and just trying to get everything else out there. Like, God, he reigns on high and God is mighty. And he's also these three things. And the psalmist here is excited about his God. Look at verse 5 with me. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house. What is connected to it is associated with holiness is the identity of your house. You are holy, O Lord, forevermore. Your decrees, only one with an honorable position, with a high esteemed position can make these decrees. Only someone with the authority to make these decrees with, with this honor and glory is able to really influence these, these people. So because God is the creator of the world, because God is perfect, because God is just, because he sent his son to be our savior, he has this power because he is and always has been for all of eternity, God. And it's very simply put that God is trustworthy. His decrees are trustworthy. We can count on them to be true. Which points back to the first couple verses. The Lord's reign. It is secure. It is established. It also points to the might of God. Your decrees are very trustworthy. You are mighty. Holiness befits your house. There's no corruption in his reign. There's no evil in his administration. He is God. He is perfect. As often people with power, they become corrupt. God does not become corrupt. He is the definition of holiness. He is the definition of righteousness. And the psalmist concludes with the simple statement, O Lord, forevermore. He could go on and on and on displaying and and telling people about the goodness of his God. But he's going to have us, he wants us this to echo in our minds. He wants us to be reminded of the fact that this is always going to be true. Forevermore. And today it is true and tomorrow it is true. And this week, as maybe you face a situation that is daunting, think about the might of your God. And to those who maybe are here and they, and they think that, well, I've come to God and I've, I believe this, and yet my loved one still passed away. You know, the glory of God 
is a powerfully mysterious thing. And God works all things together for good to them who love God. And we're called according to his purpose. And God is also with you in the suffering. And it's not necessarily going to be easy. And it's easy to come at a passage like this and just exclaim that God is good and God will always be good without addressing the fact that there are going to be times in our lives when it's hard to feel that way. When you think of the Psalms, the Psalms are a lot about people's experiences in life and people's reflections on God in life. Think of all the times that David tells God and he shares with God about what's going on in his life and then he talks more about the character of God and he comes to the conclusion, praise God who is faithful. He comes to the conclusion that despite these things being true, I will continue, continue to be trusting in God. I will run to my fortress, my rock, my deliverer. I will be faithful to this God because he's been faithful to me. And there's not always an easy answer to every question. But we know that our God knows and our God cares. And he also has given us a body of believers to help each other, which is in part why we're here tonight. We're here to pray for one another. We're here to love one another, to learn what's going on in each other's lives. And as we do that tonight, as we open up in prayer, I pray that we, be, that we would be reminded of how good our God is, how mighty our God is, how faithful our God is, and let it be an encouragement to us. Let it come out in how we talk to people this week and how we're excited about the gospel. Maybe talk to that person this week you don't normally talk to because this God's a big deal. He's mighty. Let's pray and then go to the Lord in prayer as a group. Father, I thank you for these simple truths in this passage. I thank you for never changing for the fact that you have worked in each and every person's life in this room, and yet you've brought us together because we need each other. I pray that you would help us to be the church today and to live as a body, to help each other, to service the needs of the church, and to expand the kingdom of God by sharing the gospel. I pray these things in your son's name. Amen.